Okay, good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to this uh, part two, I suppose we would say, of lockdown learning, but a new topic this evening where we're going to be going through different elements of the Siddur in uh, the Tefillah service in general. Specifically, this evening, we're going to be focusing on Kabbalat Shabbat and understanding what exactly is behind Kabbalat Shabbat. It is a, a service that we do week in, week out, but the meaning behind it and the specific breakdown of the, of the Kabbalat service is something that's not always that clear. So the goal this evening is to run through this. Um, if there are any questions, just by all means place in the chat. But I'm going to share my screen with you now. And uh, <clears throat> if there's anyone who can't get it, by all means. All right. So let's let's start with the concept of tefillah, of prayer in general. Because albeit that uh, prayer is something that we automatically take for granted, that it is so much part of, of the Jewish uh, experience. But prayer on Shabbat is something that is somewhat different to prayer in general. Now, why do I say that? It's because when we start looking at exactly what the goal of Shabbat is, it's not entirely clear that prayer should be part of it. So whereas you look at different, like if you look at Yom Kippur, where the whole day is focused in prayer, and the whole idea is to connect to Hashem and to ask Hashem for forgiveness, not so clear that that's the case with regards to Shabbat. So I'm going to go through a few sources, some of them, um, I've got the translations, some of them unfortunately don't have translations, but I will translate as we go along. So the first is a Talmud Yushalmi. So the, the Talmud is broken up into a, a Babylonian Talmud, nine times out of ten when someone says, it says in the Talmud or the Gemara, it is referring to the Babylonian Talmud, which is far more prolific. But uh, this in fact is from the Jerusalem Talmud, it says as follows. Rabbi Chagai b'shem Rabbi Shmuel bar Nachman, lo nitna Shabbatot v'yamim tovim. The only reason Hashem gave Shabbos and the Yomim Tovim and the festivals, to eat and to drink. That's the whole purpose of these festivals is to eat and to drink. But since if all you did was eat and drink, so it is a, there's a likelihood that we would get carried away and our, our language, our, our, our speech, would uh, be degraded as a result of indulgence. So therefore Hashem allowed us to study Torah on Shabbat. But the goal of Shabbat is eat and drink. So another opinion comes says, no, that's incorrect. It's not just for eating and drinking. In fact, the goal of uh, Shabbat in Yontav was to learn Torah. Most of us, oh, um, I love to say most of us, most of you are working 9 to 5, uh, Monday through Friday. So Shabbat is an opportunity to stop work and be able to learn. But one way <coughs> is that it's clear that it's not, it doesn't mention anything about prayer. Is that the whole idea of Shabbat is either to indulge in physical rest and indulgence or to be able to be in, engage oneself in spiritual nourishment through learning. But what it doesn't talk about is through the, the concept of Pray. Now, this is a, 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 a little bit clearer as we go look into uh, different elements of the Talmud. So, this is now in the, in the, uh, the Babylonian Talmud. It says as follows. So, it's talking about what is sort of the operating schedule of the different days of the year. So, on a festival, so this would be Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. One is slow to arrive. One comes late to Shul. Why? Because you're busy on Yontif, you're allowed to cook. So, you arrive at Shul a little bit later. And one's quick to eat. Why quick to eat? Meaning that you get, do what you need to do, you get done and you leave because the goal is that you have to be able to eat and it's part of the festivals. Yom Kippur, one is quick to arrive, one gets there early and gets everything done because there's no preparation done. Yom Kippur, there's nothing to eat but slow to leave because you're spending all day there. It's a very, very long service. 
Shabbat, one is quick to wrath because one is not going to prepare food on Shabbat. You're not allowed to prepare everything that's prepared. Being quick to leave and this that is not bolded here is Rashi in order to eat the Shabbat meal. That the whole concept of eating the meal on Shabbat is so critical to the Shabbat experience. So yes, we've got to daven because davening is part of our experience. But really we daven in a shorter way that the, the davening service should be told is we, we look at davening and Shabbat davening is two and a half hours and, or two hours depending where you go. But the reality is if you break it down the service, it's not really much longer. In fact, the, the Amidah is considerably shorter than when it was during the week. And all the stuff that makes the service longer is actually stuff that we've added in. Various songs, extra, extra Tehillim, but the actual basic service is shorter. We put in a Torah reading, which is part of learning, but the actual prayer service, ironically, is considerably shorter. Why? Because we're supposed to go in, Davin, do, do what you do, Davin, and leave. Now, to highlight that a little further, there's another statement in the Talmud, the Jerusalem Talmud, and it says, we learn, It is prohibited on Shabbat to ask for one's basic needs. Now, we are going to talk about this when we go into different parts of the Amidah of Shabbat, but generally speaking, the, what we call the Amidah, the Shemona Esrei, is called because there are 18 blessings, 19, but we call it Shemona because there originally were 18 blessings. And there's the three beginning, which are always the same. The three last ones are always the same. And there's the 12 in the middle, or 13 in the middle, that are all requesting th- something from Hashem. So, we ask Hashem for wisdom, we ask Hashem for people to be healed, we ask Hashem for panasa, for, for, for livelihood, etc., etc. All of these things are part and parcel of the prayer service. Shabbat, you don't, the entire 13 parts prayer is included. You're not allowed to say them on Shabbat. We're not allowed to pray for one's personal needs on Shabbat. So the Korban Aida, which is one of the commentaries on the Talmud Yushalmi, says as follows. I saw it. Why? Says part of the relaxation on Shabbat is to be able to look at the world as if everything's done. All the work is done. We say this when we say Kiddush. For six days, you should do all your work. So the, the Gemara says, all your work is impossible to do all your work over six days. It says, no, but you should look at it as if all your work, you should look like you've got no worries in the world. Everything's done. It is completely free there. By the time you come to Shabbat, everything is done. So how do we manifest it? It's on Shabbat. You're not allowed to daven for your needs. You have to look at it as I have no needs. Just relax on the day. And you're not allowed to daven for your needs because then you're going to get worried about things. But one thing another talk is that the whole concept of oneg on Shabbat, of having pleasure on Shabbat, is the fact that Shabbat is a day where is we're indulging in the day itself. Which begs the question, where does prayer fit into it? If we're not asking for the things that we need, so we're not asking Hashem for anything, um, we make the service relatively simpler as a result, and we're supposed to be indulging, and we're supposed to be enjoying the day for both a physical way through eating and drinking, or through a spiritual way through learning. So where does davening fit into the whole experience? So that brings us to what exactly is Shabbat? So Shabbat, and I've just put this in two, uh, I suppose, cute one-liners, is that Shabbat is a day of accepting and recognizing and marveling in the perfection of creation, but more so in the perfection of the Creator. That is what Shabbat is. It's looking back on the six days of creation and marveling in Hashem's creation. Whereas prayer at its, at, in its inception is specifically 
looking where there are flaws in creation. Because if I say, Hashem, give me something that I don't have, it says that the world is incomplete. My life is incomplete. If, there's, if there are things that I want that I don't have, it means that the world isn't perfect. And Shabbat is a way of accepting that the world is perfect, or at least partially perfect. So, so much of what's going to be focused within the liturgy, within the davening of the day, is going to be this idea that we are moving away from the ordinary concept of prayer that is asking Hashem for something and moving towards this idea of recognition that all the prayer of Shabbat is not the prayer of need, but it is the prayer of recognition, prayer of uh, accepting and marveling in the wonders of creation. So that is the, uh, that's our introduction. So now we're going to go into Kabbalat Shabbat specifically because now that we have a sort of a, a paradigm of where we're heading that understand that the prayer services are going on the singular goal which is not to uh, ask for anything but rather to recognize. So we're going to see how that manifests itself throughout the Kabbalat service in particular but throughout all of the Shabbat Tavani in general. Okay, so let's... So this is a Talmudic statement that comes out of uh, the Gemara and says as follows, Rabbi Chenina would wrap himself and stand towards evening on Erev Shabbat and say, Come, let us go and greet the Shabbat Queen. Rabbi Yana would don his garments on Erev Shabbat and say, Come, O Queen, come, O Queen. This is the earliest source we have. It's a Talmud. So the Talmud we're talking around the year 600. So this is the first time the concept that there was this idea of greeting the Queen. Of, and, and that Shabbat is specifically called a Queen. So we are going out to greet the queen. Now, up until that, so we can appreciate the, the, the timing of, uh, of liturgy in Jewish history, is that the, the prayer services that we daven are structured on temple services as they were. So Shachrit comes in lieu of what would have been the morning service in the temple. Mincha in lieu of the afternoon service that was in the temple. And Mariv wasn't a service at all. In fact, it is very different. That's why we don't do a repetition of the Amidah at Mariv is because the Mariv service was something that came that all the leftovers of the day were, were burnt on the altar. And so we have a, an evening service that correlates to that. The evening service in the realm of severity is the least severe, the least significant of the prayer services. So someone says, I'm going to go to one service a day. Which service should it be? It should be Shachet or Mincha, not Mariv. That is the general rule. But that is how services always are. Up until around the 1500s, mid-1500s, in Sfat, um, where it was, where the, the Kabbalah was really coming to life. Was get, so, we, so when you hear Kabbalah, you often hear of Shimon Bar Yochai and the Zohar, and that may all be true, and that mystical works may date very well back into a Talmudic era. But Kabbalah as we know it today, its real birthplace was in the mid-1500s in Swat, where you had a number of significant rabbis who were living there at the time. Now, if you go to Swat, these names were all ringed because all the roads, all the buildings and everything has their names on it. The most notable, from a Kabbalistic point of view, is someone named Rav Yitzchak Luria, who we know as the Ari. So if you go to Chabad, you will notice the Sidur that they use is called the, the Ari Sidur, or as he's more notably known, the Ari Sochani Livrachal, or the Arizal. So that is, the Arizal was uh, the most foremost Kabbalist there. Other notable uh, leaders of the time were Joseph Karo, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, uh, Moshe Cordovero, 
who was one of the another noted Kabbalist, and an individual who will become quite well known to us is um, whose name's name's just gone black blank to me. The um, oh, author of the Shoma Alkabet. Thank you. Shlo, I just Shlomo Alkabet, who was the author of uh, Lacharudi. Around that time, all of a sudden, a new uh, service developed and became popular within the Jewish community, and that is a service called Kabbalat Shabbat. Kabbalat Shabbat literally means to, Lekabel means to accept or embrace or to welcome Kabbalat Shabbat. So when you go to a wedding, you always have the, the time before the wedding is called Kabbalat Panim, which means greeting the faces or welcoming in the crowds. So Kabbalat Shabbat is welcoming Shabbat. So from a timing point of view, Kabbalat Shabbat is always going to be before Shabbat, like by definition. So in our shul, along with many other shuls around Sydney, no doubt the world, um, this doesn't always happen. Kabbalat Shabbat often is much later. So when Shabbat comes in, as it currently does, at quarter to five in the evening, and the service doesn't start till quarter past six, so it means we've got pretty much an hour and a half from uh, Shabbat coming in to davening Kabbalat Shabbat, which is a bit hypocritical from a, from a liturgy point of view. But the idea is, is that Kabbalat Shabbat is to welcome in the Shabbat. And it is a service that predates, uh, so precedes the Shabbat service. So it is always said, or more specific, it is supposed to be said prior to Shabbat. And it is based loosely on this Talmudic statement that we have over here, that Rabbi Hanini would go and he would say, let us go greet the Shabbat. Meaning we don't wait for Shabbat to come, but rather let's go greet the Shabbat. We don't have this in any other festival. So there's no concept of Kabbalat Pesach or Kabbalat uh, Rosh Hashanah. These ideas don't exist at all. The, the idea of greeting Shabbat is unique. And so what's happening with the service as we're going to structure it is going to be that the purpose of this Kabbalat Shabbat is to get to have an experience of welcoming in Shabbat, not to just recognizing Shabbat. So recognizing Shabbat is what we do on Shabbat. So you make Kiddush. You make, uh, you, you, you dive in different parts. You say the Amidah, where you do certain things that recognize the presence of Shabbat. Kabbalat Shabbat isn't Shabbat. So if it's done at the proper time, which is sometime before sunset, so the whole idea is that it's, you could potentially, that's why you have these places where they'll have a musical Kabbalat Shabbat, which is, uh, how can you play music? We don't play music on Shabbat because it's not Shabbat yet. It's welcoming in the Shabbat. And that's the whole idea is that we are trying to set a framework of welcoming in Shabbat. So I'm going to have to try now share a number of different uh, screens. So just bear with me. All right. Okay. So what we have over here is uh, something that comes loosely out of your uh, Siduri. And the way the Shabbat now, I, the... You did nefesh, which many of our shuls say beforehand. I'm going to skip because it is not part of Kabbalat Shabbat. I'm not exactly sure when you did nefesh became part of the Kabbalat Shabbat service. I know that many shuls do not say it. Growing up as a kid, we never said it. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, at Kilat Masada, we never used to say it. I think it was something we instituted a bit more recently. More recently could be the last 10, 15 years, but it, it, I don't think it was that. Most shuls historically started with Lechun Aradana. So this is what we're going to have is six different chapters of Psalms, which go in quite a unique order. So this is the first one, Lechun Aradana, Psalm 95, followed by Psalm 96, followed by Psalm 97, followed by Psalm 98, 
Psalm 99, but then it goes to Psalm 29. It doesn't, it doesn't go into Psalm 100. Sephardi community does go into Psalm 100, but we don't. We go into Psalm 29. So these Psalms seemingly were specifically chosen because of the nature of the, the content. That why out of all the Psalms that we do, do we do these specific? So I'm not sure if I can try skip between. I'm going to keep jumping between the two so we can see. So, all right. So the opening of the Psalms, first and foremost, you should know, they have nothing to do with Shabbat. So, if you, so let's go back. If you look at this, we say, let's, we go. Let us go and praise. I'm going to see if I can get English. Let us come and sing to Hashem and shout for joy, the rock of our deliverance. Let us come to Hashem's presence with thanks. Let us shout for joy with songs. For Hashem is a great God and a great majesty about all gods. In God's hands are the depths of the earth and the peaks of the mountains are Hashem's. The sea is God's for God made it and God's hands shaped the dry land. So what you can see starting to happen over here is that there's this recognition of creation because why do we keep shabbat ultimately we spoke a little bit so if you look at the ten commandments when hashem comes in pasha yitro and gives the one it says sheshid um yoma shabbat da why for six you should remember the sabbath day to keep it holy why for six days hashem created the heavens and the earth and on the seventh day he rested now the whole concept of, of the seventh day of resting it was that the world was created. The, the verse that we start Kiddush with. So m- many people start Kiddush. But that's actually the end of the verse. The beginning of the verse is. Hashem saw everything that he created. And behold it was. Tov me'od. Was very very good. Only twice in the Torah we see the concept. Tov me'od. Tov me'od uh, regarding. Uh, creation and the land of Israel, the spies come back, and Kalev says it's Tova Haaretz Meod Meod. The the land is exceptionally great. So what we are doing now is that after six days of creation, we are sitting now on the on the precipice of the seventh day, and we are looking back on what has happened over the last six days in creation and so what is the first thing is we recognize is Hashem created the mountains the seas everything that is created by Hashem that is Psalm 95 then we go from 95 we go into okay so we enter Shabbat understand it's a completion of creation so look before we look forward to the day of rest we reflect on creation what kind of world was created and what was going on it so the three places, so just uh, I'm jumping forward, I'm losing my chain of thoughts a little bit here. But basically, Kabbalah Shabbat is divided up into three parts. First one is these six, these six psalms, which we sing some of them, some of we don't, ending with Mizmor Le David. Then there's Lachadudi. And then there's Mizmor Le Shabbat. And Hashem Malach Gut Levesh. Those are the three parts of it. So tonight we're just going to focus on the first six. So the first six. So firstly, they have nothing to do with Shabbat. So we enter Shabbat understanding the completion of creation. Just repeating myself here. So let's, so, okay. So Lechunaranana. So understand, when it comes to praise of Hashem, there are two different ways that we understand praise. There's one called Halal, 
And there's something called Hoda'ah, which is, so Halal is to praise Hashem for Hashem's sake. Hoda'ah is to praise Hashem for my sake. Not praise Hashem because I want something, but to recognize Hashem. Hoda'ah from the word Toda, thank you, or recognition. But the idea behind it is that when we praise Hashem because we got something, so it's called a Toda. So that's one kind of praise. But then there's praise for itself. And that is the idea of marveling in Hashem's greatness. When we marvel in Hashem's greatness, it's not that we praise Hashem for Hashem's sake per se. Hashem doesn't need your praise. doesn't need our praise. Hashem doesn't need us to tell Him that He's great. But what it does is it allows us to, to recognize the nature of the relationship between us and Hashem. And that is halal. So the Ranana, what it starts off is setting the context of what is here. Hashem created the heavens, the earth, the seas, the might. It is the greatness of Hashem. That is, we are now going to have six Psalms, which ironically relate to the six days of creation. So the first Psalm, is really setting the stage of Hashem who creates all. Then <coughs> chapters 96 through 99 are going to follow a dual cycle where 96 and 97 and 98 and 99 are going to be very, very similar. Now, let me share how similar these are because these are things that we don't often appreciate except when you get stuck. So, 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 Shiru Lashem, Shiru Chadash, Shiru Lashem, Kola Aretz. So, Shiru Lashem, Shiru Chadash. So, that sounds very similar to, to later. Shiru Lashem, Shiru Chadash. So, Shiru Lashem, Shiru Chadash. Sing to Hashem a new song. That's 98. And 96 is Shiru Lashem, Shiru Chadash. Both of them, you're singing a new song. So, 96 and 98 are both singing a new song. They're also both end very similar. It says, uh, how does 96 end? Yishpot, Livna Hashem Kival Yishpot Tetarit, Yishpot Tevel Betzedek. And two later, so let me get rid of this. And two later, what does it say? Yishpot Haaret, Yishpot Tevel Betzedek. That both of them judge the world Betzedek righteously. So we see in, in both cases they start Shiru Lashem Shiru Chadash. It's a new song. And Yishpot Tevel Betzedek, judge the world. Uh, with righteousness. So that's 96.98. Then, this is just to show you the connections. We'll go into the detail what, what happens between them. But 97, it says, Hashem Malach Ge'ut Levesh. Hashem, Hashem ruled over the land. And then what is this? Hashem Malach. Both of them are Hashem Malach. Hashem is king. So what you have between these two, uh, these two, um, these two groupings, of 96 and 97 and 98 and 99 is something similar in structure. The 96 parallels 98 and 97 parallels 99. So, okay, all well and good. But what is the concept of the parallel? What is What do they have? So this is an idea I'm sharing is uh, from my Rosh Shiva of Moshe Lichtenstein and says as follows. 96 and 98 sing the praises of Shem, Shiru Lashem, Sing to Hashem, sing to the greatness of Hashem. Recognize the greatness and glory and the mastery of creation. That is what they are. But 97 and 99 take it from a different perspective. They are 
be able to sit in awe of the mastery of creation. The difference between being able to be glad and joyous of simcha, of being able to recognize the greatness of creation, that's 96 and 98, 97, 99, is not marveling the greatness, but being awestruck by the idea that Hashem is, is, is so great and so powerful, and that the world that was created is something so powerful. So where's 96? So we're looking here at my sheets here. So 96, we celebrate Hashem and sing His praises that are recognized by everyone. So if you go, we go back, so I'm going to keep jumping between the two. Recognized by everyone. So who recognizes it? So it's back to 96. So Shiru Hashem, Shiru Hashem, Kola Aretz. Who should sing to Hashem? The entire world. Okay. Tell within the nations of the world his honor. In all the nations of the world, his wonders. Hashem is great of all. So 96 is talking about that who's praising Hashem and the masters and wonders of Hashem? Everybody. Everybody in the world. But when you go down to 98. So it says, Shul Hashem Shul Harash, Kineflota. Hashem did these great wonders. Hoshelo Yemenu Zro, give salvation from his right. Zro Kotsho, his holy seed, his holy nation. Hude Hashem, Leinea Goim Gilatzikoto. So let's see if we don't have the English translation here. But so, Zacha Chasove Munato, Lebait Israel. Now all of a sudden it's moved away from something that was universalistic. That the creation of the world, that the marvels of creation were going to be recognized by the whole world, to something that becomes far more particular. That the Shabbat experience moves away from the general, where first we start off with Lachuna Ranana. Hashem created the whole world is amazing. Let's rejoice and sing in Simcha. And let everybody, Jew and Gentile alike, recognize the greatness of this world. But let us, 97, let us all be in awestruck at the fact that, that Hashem is, and we'll get back to 97. But then it comes to 98, it says, now the Jews, and only the Jews, you're going to have a different experience. Because the Shabbat experience is a uniquely Jewish experience. The Sabbath, it's not only the fact that the days are different, but Shabbat is a, is a Jewish experience. That it, the Torah comes and says, understand what exactly it means, it's not clear, but that, that a Gentile is not allowed to keep Shabbat. In fact, if somebody's converting, halachically, during the conversion process, they have to break Shabbat every week. Because Shabbat is only for the Jewish community. And so what happens now is from this Kabbalat Shabbat experience, we're going from the universal to the particular. So now everything has become very Jewish. So we start talking about... Um, where am I? Okay, so that's uh, number 19. Now, we're going to see something similar. When we start Hashem Malach Tagela Aretz, again, it's going to be something far more universal. They'll be talking about um, Hashem Malach Tagela Aretz. It's over the whole world. Yismuchu Yim Rabim. All the little islands, everything is going to be joyful. Anamara Fels Vivav. Clouds and smoke. Was surrounded. Everything is talking about the awe of Hashem over the entire world. Um, you are Hashem, we master you over everything. Then talks about the eradication of evil. All who hate evil, all who love Hashem hate evil. 
Okay, then we go down to 98, so 99, and all of a sudden becomes very particular. Everything is now talking about that Moshe and Aaron, when they call out to Hashem, he answers. He spoke to them through a cloud, uh, a cloud of glory. Hashem, our God, you will answer us. Hashem, our God is great. So what has moved away from this very general experience that has been one that the entire world is there to celebrate, to become one that is uniquely ours. Okay. So just going through the notes here. So we see that in 97, talks to all of you. 98 and 99 have the same theme as 96 and 97, except... That the universe, rather than the universe, universality of creation, the focus is on the, on, on the perspective of the relationship with Israel. 98 praises Hashem from an Israeli Israel perspective. 99 comes, Hashem comes for B'nai Israel to install always in the eyes of the nations. His engagement, excuse me, with Israel comes to rescue Am Israel. So what you see in cycle A, meaning so, then cycle A, Shu Lashem Shechadash, and Hashem Malach, that what is that? We sing Hashem in nature. Everybody sees Hashem in nature, both the power and majesty and the joy. And then cycle B is the uniquely Jewish experience. And then we come to Mizmor Le David. So Mizmor Le David is now going to be where we started with the joy. We're going to end. So same as um, 90. 96 was joy, 97 was awe, 98 was joy, 99 was awe, Lechuna Ranana was joy and marvel, Mizmullah David is going to be awe again. Now, let's get, let me go to back to that. And we say, now you're going to see something, Mizmullah David, Havul Hashem Elim. Havul Hashem, Kavod Avaoz, give to Hashem, give up to Hashem, Kavod Shemo, His holy name. Now they're going to be seven. Kol Hashem ba'alamayim, Kol Hashem ba'koach, Kol Hashem behada, Kol Hashem shavarazim, Kol Hashem chotzev la'avotesh, Kol Hashem yachem iba, Kol Hashem yochalei yalot. Seven calls. The word call means the voice. The seven voices because we are now entering out of the sixths of the Psalms into the seventh that is Shabbat. This is going to be the point where we move. And all of this is talking about the great awe of Hashem. Um, let me... Let me get a Sidur. Give me two seconds. I can. You think I'd have a Sidur in my home office? I do, but I don't have an English one. So I just, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to wing the English translation. So I'm sure you'll work with me. Um. So this is Kol Hashem Al The voice of Hashem is on the water. Ela Kavod Hirim El Hashem Al Mayim Rabim. That the 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 divine majesty thunders, Ra'im thunders over the waters. Hashem's voice is through might. Hashem's hell is through glory. Hashem, who the voice of Hashem that can literally crumble the other uh, the, the areas is the cedar. Hashem can destroy the Arizalim. Again, it's the awe. So now the awe of It's like a piercing uh, bolt of uh, fire. So all of this happening in this last this last paragraph is just trying to get us to draw awe on what Hashem's voice, the power of a voice. And so interesting, the Sfarim, as I mentioned earlier, 
Svarik custom is to go into uh, Psalm 100. Now, Psalm 100, which uh, we don't say, we say it every morning, is Mizmula Toda, is a prayer, uh, is a song of thanksgiving, which shows if we recall what we said at the beginning is that the thanksgiving element, or when we praise Hashem, if we praise in Hashem for Hashem's sake, i.e., just to recognize Hashem, that is called halal. When we are praising Hashem for our own benefit, that's called hoda'ah, that's called appreciation, that's called thanksgiving. So where the Sephardi emphasis moves towards thanksgiving and recognition of the personal benefit, the Ashkenazi version sticks with the fact that Shabbat is a day of recognizing Hashem. So if we bring it back to now you understand, hopefully, we are, hopefully it's clear enough that you do understand that the whole Kabbalah Shabbat service that we have seen up until now is that we realize that it is not prayer like other prayers. Whereas other prayers is trying to have a relationship with Hashem, trying to speak to Hashem and to ask Hashem for things that we need or what we want. The Kabbalah Shabbat is to appreciate creation and appreciate Hashem's might, glory, splendor and majesty in creation. And it's done, how? Through six different Psalms that each are connected to the concept of recognizing creation, Recognizing creation on a very universalistic manner to a very particularistic, from what that the whole world recognizes to what we recognize, and finally the great awe that we recognize creation. So Kabbalat Shabbat isn't about Shabbat; it's all about recognizing creation. So it's if lahavdil uh, to you know slightly, it's almost like if you were to go to the Grand Canyon and you wanted something to appreciate the glory of nature. And how amazing Hashem's creations are, read Kabbalat Shabbat. Because that's what it is. It's seeing the majesty and marvel of the world. But when we do it at the point when we are about to desist, that like Hashem stopped on the seventh day, we too stop on the seventh day. And we, like Hashem, looked back. Hashem saw everything created and behold, it was very good. Similarly, we look back through these six Psalms back on the week and say they were very good. So that is the uh, share number one. Hopefully it, it was a bit intense, understand, but I understand that these were quite uh, deep Kabbalists who put together um, this uh, this part of the service. And um, it, uh, it's, it's it's not too easy to help, but I think if you can grasp a little bit of it. I remember the first time I heard uh, something about Kabbalah Shabbat was when I was uh, my pre-Yushiva days. I was back back through Tzfat. And I was at a at a, uh, a hostel there, and one of the rabbis there taught me says that each of the six psalms before are one of the six days of the week, and you should think about each day. So on the Lechunaranana, you should think about Sunday, and Shul Hashem, you should think about Monday, etc. I've never been able to successfully do that because usually, I'm sure you like me, by the time you get to Friday, you can't remember what happened on Monday. But um, that being said, is that the idea is definitely there that each of them respond to a different day of the week. And yeah, so to that end, I will now allow you the opportunities to unmute yourselves. If anyone would like to ask a question, by all means, please unmute yourself and ask away. Anyone? Going. I see. I don't see one other face. I see lots of phones and names. I don't see one other face. Has anyone got any questions? Yeah. 